Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Um, <clears throat> good to be with you this morning. You'll notice we've got seats, going to interview somebody. Just in case you thought I was going to maybe sing a wee song or something like do Val Dernigan or all the old people laughed. All the young people said, who's Val Dernigan? Um, welcome to those of you who are online this morning. Welcome to, to the guys and girls in the foyer and the overflow. Sorry we have to do that. But um, I think, you know, I send a Hank and some of the guys this morning. I think we're on the other side of the hill. Um, with all of this, it looks like that anyway, and thank God for that. So it'd be great to get rid of the masks and all again. It'll be wonderful. I'm able to hug. You're in for it, honestly. Um, we're on prayer, um, and if you haven't heard David's sermon in this last week, it'd be really good to pick it up. He did a great um, teach around listening. He centered his whole talk around his, um, th- this banana bread this was the setting of his preach, um, which actually made me a little bit jealous because mine just wasn't as <laughs> elaborate. Um, this week, my setting just wasn't as elaborate. My toast and cheese on my plastic plate. Um, there, there you go. But um, yeah, we're, we are looking at listening. We are looking at this idea of give us this day our daily bread. And what we're going to do is talk to a couple who... All of us in some shape or form are listening to God, but this morning we're going to talk to a couple who have been listening to God in a very directive way and where the Lord's leading them and has been leading them to minister over the last number of years. Now, one of the greatest benefits of our salvation has to be that, if I put this on, it'd be better. Sorry, John. That's why I was going daft. All right. Is that better? Good. These guys keep us right, isn't it? Um, has to be that um, hearing God personally has to be one of the greatest things and one of the greatest gifts of our salvation. There can be no intimate relationship with our heavenly Father, I don't think, without actually really hearing his voice. But it's easy as it is for us to speak to him, and we're all probably good in some shape or form at our shopping list prayers, and we all have them. We pray for our families, our friends, our needs, and they rattle off our tongue day and daily, but um, the average Christian, I believe, has a hard time in actually hearing God's voice because there's so much confusion around it, and preachers don't help it either with saying, the Lord spoke to me this week, or the Lord told me to tell you this. Um, those, those, I, I, I get what, what they, and I'm sure I've said it myself, but um, uh, it, it creates a little bit of confusion, which I'd love to address today, all right? So learning to clearly distinguish God's voice is invaluable. Instead of just going through life blindly and trying to figure out where we go, we can have the wisdom of God to guide us. And there isn't a single person alive, there isn't a single believer alive who couldn't have their life, I think, radically transformed by hearing the voice of the Lord better, whether that's in relational issues, whether it's in um, healing in your body, whether it's in spiritual, um, maybe barrenness, maybe it's in a financial area, I don't know, but um, 
The Lord can turn any situation around. You know that. And there's something about hearing his voice. Now, I'm not saying that's your get-out-of-jail um, card, all right? We don't use that as a bailout card. Sometimes and God delivers and God heals and he does it like that. Other times he brings us through things. My experience in my life has been where God brings me through things, brings me around some things, thank God. But usually he brings me through. Even through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will be with you. And I often say this at a funeral, that it's not that he, we get the connotation of that, that uh, like a, teaching a child their first steps and the father or the mother or the granny or grandest sit at the other side of the room or a good few feet away and the child has to take these first steps and, and there and they're there to catch. That's not the connotation of Psalm 23. He's right beside us all the way through everything we go through in life. So the Lord constantly speaks and gives us direction and it's never the Lord that's, that's not speaking. It's rather us who aren't listening. And I think sometimes that's because we're not dead sure how to listen. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Now, Jesus made some radical statements about listening. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And then there's this one in John 10, which I love. The, and he says this in John 10 too, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep and the gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. So I want to highlight that little bit and the sheep hear his voice. He doesn't say the sheep can hear his voice. He doesn't say the sheep should hear his voice. He takes it for granted and he makes this emphatic statement that they do hear his voice. Now, most Christians, and you're probably one of them, would question the accuracy of that statement since their experiences maybe don't line up with that. And, um, and it's, not what, it's not that what Jesus said is wrong. It's that true believers, I think, really do and can hear God's voice. Sometimes they just don't recognize it as God's voice. And that's what I want to try and address just for a few minutes before I bring David and Cheryl up. All right. If you can think of it in the way of a radio or a TV transmitter. Now, back when I was young, the TV quit at midnight and they played God Save the Queen and everything went into a dot. That doesn't happen anymore. It transmits 24-7, 365 days a year. It transmits all the time. But praise God, we can turn it on and off. And so it's not the transmitter that's the problem. It's the receiver. And sometimes I think it's a bit the same. It's not that God is not transmitting. It's just that we are not receiving. And so there's a couple of things that I'm going to suggest that we should do this morning. I think the first thing is we need to fix our receivers. We need to fix how we receive God. Now, um, uh, and, and that might sound really simple, but I do think it takes time, effort, and focus to do this. All right? Now, it's learning... Uh, it's probably glaringly obvious if there's habitual sin that the Lord will not hear you. There's a wee verse in Psalm 66, verse 18, that says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the King James puts it, the Lord will not hear me. I like the way the ESV puts it. It puts it, if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. All right? And so there's something, that word um, um, cherished or that word 
um, regard iniquity means to look, uh, look with sympathy on sin. And we have a way of sympathizing our sin, haven't we? Well, everybody does it. I'm sure it's not really affecting anybody else because it's behind closed doors and nobody really sees it. We sympathize with our sin. And the Bible says if we do that, if we sympathize with our sin, then it creates a barrier so the Lord actually doesn't listen to us, which is pretty daunting. Now, the average Christian, I think, so that, that, I think that's just a glaringly obvious one, all right? If there's habitual sin, you need to deal with it, all right? But the average Christian lifestyle is so busy that it's not conducive to hearing God's voice. For instance, what is your typical answer when people say, how are you? Most of us say, flat out, or never been busier, or busy, busy. Life's just so busy, up to my eyes. These are sort of the normal answers to the question, how are you? And it seems that all of us are busier than ever and I think it's one of the biggest reasons why we're not hearing the voice of God, um, because we're just too busy. Dave quoted this at the start, be still and know that I am God, the psalmist said in 46.10. So it's in stillness, not busyness, that we begin to attune our spiritual ears to the voice of God. And the Lord speaks to us in that still, small voice whenever Elijah in 1 Kings 19, you maybe know the story where there was a hurricane and there was an earthquake and all of these big dramatic things. And it says, but the Lord was not in them. And then it says, the Lord came in a still, small voice. Be still so that you can hear the whisper of God. Now, the second thing, so we need to fix our receivers, but the second thing is we need to recognize how God speaks. Most often, we mistake the voice of God for our own thoughts. God speaks through His Word. This is the way I think generally He speaks, all right? I think this is the most important way. That's why it's so important to be in the Word and to know the Word, as we'll see in a moment, because God speaks to us in this way. He speaks to us through His Word, but He speaks to us through our minds, all right? I'm not a fan of bumper stickers, and you not get one in my car, because it would only mark it, but... Um, um, uh, I did see one that I liked one time, and it said, the, the devil's worst nightmare is a Christian with a brain. And God give us a mind, he give us a brain, and he, he give us this thing that works. And so, and I think what happens is God speaks to us through our minds, and sometimes we confuse our intellect for the voice of God. I think that's the biggest problem, because we do something like this, so, so something might say, well, you might wake on, on a Saturday morning and say, and let's just thought come into your mind. Give Harry a buzz. Harry needs encouragement today. And then what do you do? I had an old mentor used to say that the first thought, if you can treat the first thought as God's and the second thought as your own, it's a, it's a good little epistle to live by. So what, I, what do I do when I get that voice to ring Harry? I think, oh, Harry's going to think I'm stupid. And he's going to think I'm silly. And we rob the voice of God. We rob the voice of God with our own reasoning. And it's as simple as that, folks. It's as simple as that. There's so much stuff, I think, that we put around us. And here's the truth. God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So he's going to work in a different way. It's not, it's not mouth to ear. It's not that sort of conversation. It's into our thought patterns most generally. Now, I've had a few directive um, words from the Lord, but very few. 
very few. Mostly it's a nudge. Mostly it's a, I think this might be what, the God, what God is saying. And so it's really important. And so what I do, and those of you who jump onto my devotions will know that every morning I say, speak, Lord, for your sons and your daughters are listening. And I've did this for years as I went to read the word. I've said, God, you've spoke through the centuries through this incredible book, and you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so today I can expect you to speak. So I say, speak, Lord, for your son is listening. And what happens is you will know the truth. This is knowing the truth. This is the truth. All right, it's not the truth that sets you free. It's just leather and paper. If it's not in your heart and in your mind, it's got to get into your system, into your mind. And as the John Owens quote says, for the meditation, we talked about this, you fill your mind until it loads your heart. And out of that, you begin to um, contemplate on what God has done. And so there's this idea that, that God is changing everything around us. And when the Lord speaks, it's very, very powerful. Um, and I think it's really important that we grasp that. I love this little psalm. It says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of our heart. And, and sometimes we interpret that wrong, that this is just to justify our greeds or uh, our selfishness, or even I've heard it used in adultery. Uh, which is quite shocking. But it doesn't mean that the Lord will give you whatever you want. It means that when you begin to seek God and live in his presence, your desires change. He actually changes the desires. Someone has put it this way, <clears throat> that he changes your want to. He changes your want to. And all of our want tos then run after him. Now, about 30 years ago, I was pondering some changes, some big, big changes in my life. I was in my 30s, I was working a little bit in, uh, in Craig Evan, carrying coal. I was around so much brokenness and lost, and I just didn't know what to do, didn't know what to do with these people. And um, back in 91, I spoke to some people, my mom being one who was one of my biggest heroes and, um, and became my biggest supporter. But back then, um, when I spoke to her about some of the radical changes that I was thinking of making in my life, she was very opposed to that, as were some of... The, my trusted friends that I went to, I don't think I got any that actually said, Phil, that's a good idea. As a matter of fact, the opposite was true. And because of their adverse reaction to my decision, I backed off. And I get into a really miserable place. I get into a real place where um, I, I, I found that I was almost disconnected from God. And usually you'll find when God's not speaking to you, the best idea is to back up to where the last time you heard his voice. And when you reverse back to the last time, and so what I did was I reversed back to where uh, this took, this took a, 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 maybe about a year of, of my life at this time. And I came on this verse back then, which became a verse that was very strong for me, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And that word rule is where we get our word umpire from. Let the, let the peace of God make the decision in your hearts. And so what I did was, I, to be truthful, I didn't have an awful lot of peace in any direction, but I let the umpire of my heart, the peace of my heart, make the right decision. And um, the best decision that I knew at that time was the decision where I was convinced that we were to meet together with my family um, on a Sunday morning to worship God together. And it was the best and greatest decision, I think, that I've ever made that brought me 
um, in many ways to where I am now. So there isn't a problem with the transmitter. It's our receiver. And so I'm going to invite David and Cheryl up. I'll pull these seats forward a little bit so we can all see them, as long as they don't fall off the stage. But um, They're in a bubble so they can sit together. Um, and I sit down as well and move this little table where you can all see me. Now, let me show you this. There you go. Um, you have a couple of pictures there. They're feeling right at home now. Um, David and Cheryl um, have been serving the Lord down in a little place called Belnaslow. Now, they've been up for a while, up for a number of months, resting up. They're from here, as you'll know, um, in a moment when they talk. But Belnaslow is just between Athlone and Galway. And um, for those of you who know John Holloway, um, our very own John Holloway, this is where John's from, Belnaslow, little town of Belnaslow. So I, I, I just think around the whole theme of listening. Um, this is a couple who um, you've maybe seen them docking in here for the last number of months. Um, there are a couple who have been listening to the voice of God, and I'd love to hear our folks to hear a little bit of that story. So can you start by telling us a wee bit about yourselves? Yes, so I'm David, this is Cheryl. I will figure that out, okay. And, no, it's not the other way about <laughs> But uh, yeah, we have three children, so we have three boys. Uh, we have a four-year-old, five-year-old, and a ten-year-old, so we're, we're busy, busy parents. Uh, we are from Dromore originally. Uh, we grew up in Dromore, although Cheryl claims to be having some years in Lurgan in her primary school year, so Come on. she's going to claim that when she's here today. Uh, so she went to Kings Park and all that. I went to Dromore Primary, and then uh, how Cheryl and I met actually was in Dromore, when I came to the Lord, Cheryl came back from the ship. Uh, she was on the Logos too. And we met in Youth for Christ in a drop-in center where we were serving. I was doing uh, detached youth work out on the street, meeting people. And Cheryl was running, uh, well, Cheryl done a lot more than I did, like kids programs and different things. So that's where we met. That's where we kicked it off. And we'll see what Cheryl wants to say now. And then, yeah, and so, so somewhere then in that journey, there came a a pull to the south, a pull to especially that west coast, um, Balnaslow area. Can you tell us a wee bit about how that happened and maybe how that, how you heard God or was it a pointer? Because sometimes, you know, we have this little phrase where I say God has a habit of giving a compass rather than a map, you know, so he points away. He did that with Abram. He said, this is the way I want you to go and I'll tell you where you're going when you get on the journey. So mm -hmm. can you tell us a wee bit how that happened for you? Pretty much. It was when we were actually at Dromore Youth for Christ. Um, at the end of every year, we just set time aside to pray and seek the Lord for the year ahead. Um, and actually, one it was one year, it was 2008, where I actually was like, Lord, what do you want us to do? Um, as David said, I was involved with the kids ministry there. So I was like, Lord, do you want us to do kids stuff over the summer this year? Like, what will we be doing? And I felt the Lord say, Dremore's covered. Actually, the churches are doing a fantastic job. But there are churches within the south of Ireland that are under-resourced. They don't have the manpower, maybe the finances. So I felt the Lord lead us to take a kids' ministry on tour. So we kind of got a small team together, an RV van, and prayed for the Lord to open up opportunities where in the land. Um, and actually, most of those bookings came through pretty easily. But as I prayed, there was one town that the Lord kept on putting in my heart was Athlone. 
And I kept on going, he wants us to go there. He wants us to go there. But no matter how many times I got tried to get a booking there, it didn't happen. Um, and so I was like, mm, there's still something. And it just, again, it was just a thought in my head and just a burden on my heart. And so I actually made the team that year drive through Athlone, stop and pray over the town. And I think I was actually going, Lord, is there a divine appointment today? Um, but there was nothing. Um, but little did we know it was actually two years later that he called us to go down there and Balanus Low is, as you said, 15 minutes outside of Athlone. Um, and he called us two years later to move down. Can, can, can I jump in and ask you to explain that call? How did he call? How did that happen? How did he call? Well, we kind of went around the, the world. Literally, we went to Australia and... <laughs> We were in Sydney for a year and literally things just weren't matching up um, in terms of passion and calling and everything there. And no matter what conversation we got into with people, we kept on just talking about Ireland mm -hmm. and we kept on just talking about the young people of Ireland. And everyone then in Australia kept on saying, you guys are really passionate about Ireland. And I was like, we are, aren't we? Um, and so it was kind of that as we were going that the Lord was just our heart it wasn't homesickness necessarily but just our heart was for Ireland and so we kind of just said right we were based in Australia with OM and the mission organization and we said I wonder do they have any opportunities and we didn't know where they were based I wonder do they have opportunities for a youth worker and at that stage David was a gardener would they have and so we went online and sure enough they were looking for somebody to head up their youth department and a gardener um, and so we kind of just put a call. We sent out um, an email to some of our trusted prayer warriors and said, would you pray about this? And we actually got a friend come back, yes, yes, yes. And we're like, okay, he's passionate. Um, but it actually turned out that he had felt the Lord tell him and his wife that we were to be moving down to that area of Ireland um, before we went to Australia. So, so, so basically what you're saying is, what, what, I, what I've been saying before you come up is the promptings of the Lord. It was more than a, it wasn't a, a voice in the night, mm -hmm. but it was more the promptings. And then as you began to push the doors, trusted friends, prophetic unctions, all of those things come together and open the door, basically. Yeah. Exactly. Am I right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. So then um, I, I know that, um, I, I can't remember how long it is, you're up this number of months now, you come back up home. I think mm -hmm. you felt a bit, um, you, you both got a little bit burned out. Mm -hmm. Um, down because there's a lot of work to be done. You've come back up to rest a little bit. That's been a bit of an adventure as well, from Lisburn to Belfast and stuff like that. Um, but God has opened doors there as well. But there's a pull again, isn't there? There's a prompting to head back. Can you tell us a little bit about what you feel that might look like or how you feel actually God is speaking to you at the moment? Can you? No problem. You want to say yeah? Okay, he's given, I've got the microphone. Um, yeah, so I suppose we have had no doubt that the Lord speaks in big ways, okay? So actually, I grew up in a traditional expression of church, and my first prophetic word that I ever was given was on missions um, in Mexico, and there was a Mexican pastor, and actually the word, he didn't even know where I was from, um, but he said that he, I would be involved in church planting in Ireland. Um, so that was when I was 19, um, but I thought, okay, fair enough. Um, but So there has been a burden as we were down there. Our burden has been about multiplication and it has been about saying, and actually the churches down there are fantastic. They really are fervent people um, who really have a desire to multiply and to go into the market towns, especially a lot of the rural market towns, and see something of the kingdom of God spread. And so the Lord 
when we were down there was actually just burdening us for that. Um, but yes, asked us to step away in order to be filled, which is why we're up here as part of the Tabar leadership thing. Um, but what he's been really doing in us as we've been waiting and seeking about where, Lord, where exactly do you want us to go? Um, I suppose he's been using a lot of things where I've actually been opening the word and he will just, there'll be a line that sticks out that just is a seed planted in my heart and the rest of the day I'll be doing the dishes and it just keeps on going on and on and just round and round in my head and then I'll go and talk to David and David's like, that's incredible because that's exactly what God's been talking to me about in my prayer times. And then what we find is we then will meet with some of the leadership team from Tabar and they will then pray over us and say things that line up beautifully with it and how God has been, I think, blessing us, has been leading us corporately and I think there's been a real thing of the Lord saying to us at the moment is there's a beauty in the church and the gifts of the church. And so he will speak to us when we're in our quiet times and he'll impress something upon us. We'll talk to each other and it will be affirmed, but it's affirmed through somebody else who feels like God has said something to them. And actually, when we've been praying a word like, well, a line from something that somebody had said to us nine years ago, it turns out dropped into David's head just this one phrase and David sort of stopped when we were praying I was like Cheryl do you remember that man gave us a prophetic word and uh, do you remember it and I'm like no I don't remember it at all but we go back and find the transcript and literally word for word lines up with what you guys were praying over us that very week I, I read that word it was pretty impressive and so the Lord I think there's just been showing us corporately Doing life together as the church yeah. is also really good. That some of the things that are just unctions in us or thoughts Brilliant. are confirmed as well through the body. I should have said that at the start that David and Cheryl have been um, tying into our Tabar network. And they're also in the leadership pathway with Rick um, doing the leadership pathway while they're up north. But uh, maybe to finish us off, David, tell us the journey Knowing you um, now, you're an out-and-out evangelist. I think um, um, uh, I think David could evangelise in a lift. Um, I really, <laughs> I knew that. Um, and he, is, could you tell tell us a wee bit of the journey from gardener to evangelist? Yeah, and I suppose that's. I think God speaks to you in all that sort of stuff too, because as I'm you know working at the gardens, in a way, you're always aware of your own limitations. And, you know, you have aspirations to do other things, but sometimes those aspirations are quenched because you're thinking, oh, I'm just a gardener, like, you know what I mean? I'll just, I'm confident at this. And so I'm sort of remaining there. And at the same time, you know, I want to do a bit more study. So I'm doing a bit more study with a guy called Graham and his wife, Fran, and that was in Athlone at the time. And then, you know, because this is me gardening in OM. And then basically it's at that time, you know, you start to get confident about other things and God starts speaking to you. People start speaking things over you. And then you're sort of faced with the challenge, well, what am I to do about this? And so I start to pray and ask God, you know, what do you want me to do? And I feel then, you know, also as we're driving back and forward in Ireland, I feel this stirring of, you know, seeing the need for churches and towns that actually have no expression of faith at all, really, you know. And so then all this is coming up to the surface and it's then, I feel like the Lord's pressing on me and saying, well, what are you going to do about this? And so then that caused me to step out and go, actually, you know what, maybe 
God's saying something else to me. And so then Cheryl and I will process, you know, what do you think God's saying? We'll pray about it. For me, I, I like to sit down with the word, you know, early in the morning, like three or four in the morning, because our kids are a bit mental. And for me, silence and stopping can only really happen in that time. So, you know, for me, it's I sit there, I'll go through the word, like I was going through Nehemiah, and the Lord will just... I think journaling is really good where you just start to write how you're feeling compared to what you're reading and then the Lord starts to bring stuff to the surface and then you go, ah, I need to make a choice here. I need to pursue something else because God's speaking to me, you know. Do you find that helpful? Good. I wanted to stay there a moment because we're going to pray for you just as we close, but thank you so much. Um, We felt it was really important to let you meet um, David and Cheryl as well. I'm sure some of you have seen them in and out. But um, and to pray for them. I was at coffee yesterday morning with John Holloway and I showed him this picture and as soon as eyes light up, his little hometown. So, um, uh, and, and as, as, as Cheryl rightfully says, the church is beautiful as, in whatever expression um, as we do it. So it's really important that we hear from God. So we're going to pray for these guys in a moment. Let me just read this. Let's still your hearts. Um, I uh, a little walk with David Legg this week and he bought me this book, Whisper by Mark Batterson and um, I'm about page 47 or 48 already but it's a great book full of stories I think that's why he gave it to me So, um, but uh, let me read you this here in 1956 Sigmund Olsen built a small cabin on the banks of Burnside Lake in northern Minnesota the naming of the lake homes is customary especially in the land of 10,000 lakes. Most names are rather predictable, but Olson was a little bit more intentional. His objective in building the cabin was to hear all that was worth listening for. So he named it Listening Point. Listening doesn't happen by default. It happens by design. You have to go outside the camp and build a tent of meeting. Sometimes it's in the busyness <clears throat> David has just mentioned three or four in the morning when you've got three kids, three or four in the morning is probably a good idea. Some of you are thinking it's a horrific idea, but um, you have to seek solitude, all right? You have to seek solitude, seek silence, and you have to ruthlessly eliminate distractions, all right? As you have to turn down some voices or tune them out altogether, it might be as innocent as a radio um, or as innocuous as a social, as a social media Why not turn off the radio and talk to God on your commute or fast from social media for a season or take a silent retreat? I don't want to over-spiritualize the importance of a whispering spot, he says, but I don't want to under-spiritualize it either. Even if you take spirituality out of the equation, you need a space and a place to get some peace and quiet. If you live in a city, it's not easy. And if you're a parent of little children, it might be 10 minutes during nap time. No matter, you have to be bound and determined to find a time and a place. Susanna Wesley, many of you will know the story, raised 17 children in a small house. So solitude was hard to come by. And her whispering spot was a rocking chair in the middle of the room. When she threw a blanket over herself, it turned into a tent of meeting and her kids all knew she was in the presence of God. Perhaps that's what inspired her son John to kneel next to his bed. Thomas Edison had a thinking chair. Alexander Graham Bell had invented the phone. 
had a dreaming place overlooking the Grand River. Henry David Thoreau skipped stones in Walton Pond. And then there was Beethoven, Ludwig Beethoven, who began his day with a cup of coffee that he prepared with great care by counting 60 beans per cup. He carried a pencil as he strolled through the mornings with a few sheets of music paper in his pocket to record a chance musical thought. Your whispering spot is as unique as you are, but you need to find it. And you need to find a time, and you need to find a place. And then he finished with this. He said, may I say something seemingly silly? Have you tried setting up a meeting with someone without designating a time and place? Imagine asking someone when he wants to meet, and he says, whenever. Or asking them where they want to meet, and he says, wherever. Good luck with that one because it's never going to happen. And so if we're going to meet with God, as these guys have encouraged us, we need to hear his voice. We need that listening spot, all right? And let's fix our receivers. Let's fix our receivers. And let's understand how God speaks. Those little unctions. For me, it's a feeling sometimes. For me, it's a thought. It's an unction that I pray into and get the direction of God and all the pointers, all the pointers, and the doors start to open and you think, ha, huh, this, this has just got to be God. And sometimes then you've just got to say, you know what? I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. So can you stand with me? You stay seated. We're going to pray with you. Um, reach your hands out towards David and Cheryl as they head into this next season of their lives with their three kids. God, thank you for them. Thank you for their heart for the West Coast and for that um, area around Belnesloe and Athlone. Thank you for the last few days, even for the little moments and prophetic words and words that people have been speaking into them that we haven't maybe even had time to go into this morning. But God, I just pray that you would bless them, that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, and God, that you would equip them and support them as they take on this next season for you. And God, for everyone in this place this morning, we just pray, God, that the receivers might be fixed, that the unctions and thought patterns and their whispering rooms Oh, I'm looking forward to the emails and the texts showing me and telling me of the whispering rooms. Let's please find them this week, that place where you meet with God. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.